Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello and welcome to uh, a dreary Monday edition of Lynn Cullen Still Live. It is October 19th, 2020, and that puts us pretty much two weeks out from the November election that uh, so many Americans have felt would never, ever come. I want to point out right off the bat that this is the last day to register. If you want to vote in Pennsylvania, you still can do that today, but jump right on it. Uh, go to votes, votes, dot com. Okay, and you can get it done uh, there. Whew. Well, I, so what's happened since last we spoke? I guess that was last Thursday. That was those dueling town halls. I watched neither, although I watched, I checked Twitter every once in a while to see if, I was missing anything, and what I saw was uh, that Savannah Guthrie was uh, just ripping Trump apart. Well, not you know what she was doing? She was she was being an assertive interviewer, um, and I think her greatest line was. Uh, in resp- uh, talking about a tweet, something he had retweeted, which was just flat out a lie. He said, well, I just retweeted it. And she said, as I'm sure you know, you're not somebody's crazy uncle. You're the president. Oh, that people, reporters would have said things like that to him earlier in the game. Of course, she was excoriated by by some as uh, being disrespectful. <laughs> Dear God, there is a um, a clip of an interview from uh, New Zealand that's making the rounds, um, and I recommend it if you can find it. It's of a uh, again a, a woman interviewer. Uh, just destroying a politician who apparently had had just gotten destroyed in New Zealand's uh, national election. Uh, he had lost his seat in parliament, but he was a, a right-wing nut job spreading all kinds of falsehoods about COVID and, and other things, and she just destroys him. And it's a kind of a kind of sense of what a journalist's job is. It's not like she was saying things that weren't true. She was refusing to let him say things that weren't true. And I can't help but notice that it seems to be, again, the women who you'll pardon the expression, have more balls. Speaking of Trump, the New York Times yesterday did something it has never done. I mean, it's always made an endorsement in uh, presidential races, but it has, uh, to my knowledge, (laughs) never before utilized – how many pages would this have been? Um, Ten pages of its paper making its case. Ten pages of different pieces of why, as the headline is, a man unworthy of the office. Um, And wow, it is. I mean, it's, you know, I started reading it and then I thought, you don't have to. I don't even know who this is for anymore. Somebody who really is not paying any attention 
So one page given over to his corruption, to the corruption, the guy who was going to drain the swamp. As they say, forget draining the swamp. Trump slapped his name on it and began charging admission. A whole page on his demagogue, the demagogue that is Trump, and what it has done fueling violent extremism. A whole page on his incompetence as president. A whole page on that it appears to be his his intent to sicken and kill as many Americans as he can by holding these super spreader events as the virus surges toward what had been feared and is now coming through this autumnal resurgence. It's something. Just a few lines from the actual endorsement editorial, because again, who needs to hear it? Who doesn't know it? Their first line is something I've been saying for the last three years. Donald Trump poses the greatest threat to American democracy since the Second World War. Yeah. Who doesn't know that? The willfully blind? The pathetically stupid? Or friends of Vladimir Putin? I don't know. Who would that be? Another little line. Mr. Trump stands without any real rivals as the worst American president in modern history. I don't know why they keep saying modern history. Who's the person that they're suggesting might have been worse? Seriously, who? Who? Why do they keep saying modern? In our ancient history, who was this horrible president worse than even Donald Trump? Tell me who. I'm dying to know. I know now that my history lessons in school were missing a lot of information. But why do they keep saying modern history? Who, you know, stop being coy and tell us who you think is in the running for the worst president in the entire history of the American Republic. Here's another little line, the full scope of his misconduct, I think they mean criminality, may take decades to come to light. That's if there's still any journalists left to do that. And then they end the editorial with this. You know, by the way, nowhere is there mention of Joe Biden. It's like if Elmer Fudd were running. It doesn't matter. This man is the gravest danger to this country since the Nazis, since World War II. You vote whoever is running against him. Here's the, the last few lines. Mr. Trump is a man of no integrity. Mm -hmm. He has repeatedly violated his oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Now, in this moment of peril, it falls to the American people, even those who would prefer a Republican president. It falls to the American people to preserve, protect, and defend the United States. Yeah. Well, you know, I. <laughs> oh, so many things to talk about. I don't even know where to go. 
Um, let me think. The um, there was word uh, today uh, that a federal judge one that has managed to still be in uh, his or her seat uh, since the the total court, federal court packing of the Republicans in the last actually eight years uh, because they refused to seat, to even hear most of the nominees uh, proffered by President Obama so that they could give Donald Trump these huge vacancies to fill. But yesterday, a federal judge in what's called a scathing opinion uh, blocked as arbitrary and capricious an effort by the Trump administration to end food stamp benefits for as many as 700,000 unemployed people. Now, just imagine anyone who would contemplate doing that in this pandemic, in this time of fear and joblessness and homelessness and hunger. But the Trump administration, since it took office, has been trying. And this is what Republicans do. They take from the least of us and give. They can't give enough to them that's got. The Attorney General of New York, one of the people who had brought this suit against the Trump administration for this effort, said it's just a win for basic decency. It would have obviously made it harder for people to feed their families, but would have exacerbated the public health crisis we are in, the economic recession we are in. And their efforts go to Pulling food out of the mouths of babes. It's something. Uh, They still got things that they're trying to do to limit access to uh, SNAP for working poor families. Can you imagine? You're working. You're poor. You can't make enough to feed your children. And these Republicans still want to take food from your baby's mouths. They want to stop and cap deductions that some of these poor people get for their utilities, to pay their utilities. Let them freeze and starve. Studies show that the combined impact of all of these Republican efforts would cut almost 4 million people from the SNAP program, reduce benefits for millions more, and throw about a million school students off automatic access to free or reduced-price school meals. Who votes for these cruel people? Who votes for them? And how do they sleep?
Another case in point, worried that they will be voted out of office in a few weeks' time. Trump's cabinet members are wildly scrambling to enact regulatory changes, which would harm us, the people, and of course, again, aid the rich. Proposals like easing limits on how many hours truckers can spend behind the wheel, making, of course, you less safe on the road, but making money for the trucking companies. They want to change the standards for when workers can be classified as independent contractors rather than employees, of course, so that the rich don't have to treat the people who do their labor like people who do their labor, like workers who should have access to simple benefits that we all used to take for granted. Oh, and another thing they're really fighting for is to allow railroads. They're putting these things through. These are regulations so that this can be done at that level. Regulations to move highly flammable, liquefied natural gas on freight trains. You know, I don't live far from a track that rumbles next to the uh, to the busway through the city of Pittsburgh, through residential areas. And they want to have these dangerous flammable chemicals carried on those trains and on tracks, which we know are not necessarily well-maintained. What big hearts these people have. What laudable values. And oh, the irony. Because do you know that this week is National Compassion Week? Uh And do you know that Donald Trump put out a statement, as the president should, when it's National Compassion Week. And part of it reads, throughout this week and each day of our lives, may we strive to demonstrate good character through our thoughts, our discourse, and our deeds in our homes, schools, workplaces, and houses of worship. Let us set an example for those of the, for others, of the timeless values of respect, compassion, justice, tolerance, fairness, and integrity. Cognitive dissonance. One's head spins. I feel like I'm in the exorcist. Like I'm in some crazed, crazed imaginary dystopian science fiction movie. A man who doesn't know the meaning of respect who is incapable of compassion, of tolerance, of fairness, and certainly of integrity, is telling us Oh, God. Okay. Little Tony writes, Well, Lynn, I didn't do so good on my boycott. I knew that, and you know, they know that. Because if you're used to watching MSNBC, then you're going to watch MSNBC, even if you're mad at them, right? 
the guy who runs MSNBC was outraged at NBC's uh, decision to run this dueling town hall to give the president this free gift of an hour. But as it turns out, they just gave him a free hour to hang himself. Tony says, I did break my Sunday morning tradition of watching Meet the Press. How can you watch that? Don't watch that. That's how you start your Sunday morning? Oh, my God. Better to go get a colonoscopy. What do you mean? I can't even look at Chuck Todd. Somebody needs to send Chuck Todd the video of the woman in New Zealand interviewing the politician. God, how can you watch any of those Sunday shows? Oh, my God. Yeah, this is better. I watched the last half hour of CBS Sunday morning instead. I just can't watch TV on, sun, on morning, Sunday mornings or any mornings. The fatigue and stress of this election is too much for me, and I hope I can make it to the end. You're going to make it. Two more weeks of hell, dear Lord. Dear Lord, give me strength. You know, I was taking little Tony to task a little bit or just trying to talk him off the ledge. Last week, I think it was, because he'd sent in his, he mailed in his ballot, but he, his status had not been up graded that it had been received and now i'm in the same boat i mailed my ballot last monday a week ago and i've gotten no acknowledgement now i will check the status but i'm almost afraid to i've been a wreck about it can you remember ever being so nervous about your vote and who did that who made us so anxious about our votes? Hmm? Who tried to dismantle and cripple the Postal Service, knowing that we were all going to try to vote using the mails? Who tried to undermine the integrity of our entire democratic system of voting? Who? All these answers are, are you know, an idiot knows the answers. And that anyone would want to give these cynical, power-hungry, awful human beings four more years to finish the job of destroying us, of institutions that have somehow managed to stand for hundreds of years, buffered, battered as they may be. Ed says, I mailed my ballot well over a week ago, and I'm concerned because I have gotten no notification. Phew, he says. Just looked at the ballot status website. It appears they have a full record and full timeline for my ballot from when they received my ballot. Ah! So um, from when I received my ballot and for a ballot to have been received, something seems to be working as intended. Okay, yeah, I got to go to that website as soon as we hang up here. Which website is it? Is it votes? You know, one of you sent me that the, a few weeks ago, and now I don't have it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know, that was so weird. Uh, Doug is reminding me that one of the reasons we were so furious with NBC is they were giving Trump not only their broadcast network, but also two cable networks carrying it, MSNBC and CNBC. And all Biden was getting was just one measly broadcast network. But lo and behold, more Americans watched Biden. And everybody said it was so boring, so wonderfully boring. Trump's show, his shtick, has gotten really old for even people who voted for him. They've had it. Nothing could have 
hurt him more. He must have tweeted about it. Who knows? I've blocked him, so I don't see him unless somebody makes a big to-do about one of them. God. Hey, will somebody tell me something about something I keep seeing? I ended up blocking him because I have a feeling it's a Murdoch outfit. I really don't know. Um, If you're on Twitter... They're all of a sudden a big presence. They're promoting themselves all the time as a new news outlet. They seem to be out of Australia. They're called Epic, E-P-O-C-H. Is it Epic Times or Epic News? I don't know. But I just have, reading their headlines, you know, sometimes I think, oh, that looks good. And then sometimes I think, mm. and, 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 and it's like, you know, we all have now, this is so awful, not being able to, to trust a messenger and a new messenger popping up, uh, you know, makes you nervous. I've decided these guys are not cool, but I don't know. I can be uh, disabused of that if, if somebody knows something else. Um, A pretty amazing page, I think it was in Saturday's Washington Post, Uh, one of their reporters, uh, Amy Siskind, or Siskind, I don't know how she pronounces it, um, started doing something amazing immediately upon Trump's inauguration. She started a list, and every week, Since then, she chronicled the ways that Trump had changed the country um, or, you know, broken a norm, uh, something that had never been seen before. And that list ended up being 34,000 entries. No, 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 no. That's just one. Per- Jesus, that's a, it was. So of all her entries yesterday, the Washington Post published on one page in print so little you'd need a magnifying glass to see. Just about one percent. Of the total of her list, actually, she put much of the list out in book form, and she feels that anyone taking office must obviously look at the list to make sure that they remember how things used to be. We, we, we've gotten so inured, immune, numbed, right? The very first entry she made week one is quoting Richard Spencer, the neo-Nazi, saying to a gathering in Washington celebrating Trump's victory, Heil Trump! Heil victory! In week two, she says, Trump says he has no legal obligation to cut ties with his businesses. And is quoted as saying, the president can't have a conflict of interest. Who remembers this? She goes into their, how they said millions of people had voted illegally, which is how Hillary had gotten. And then he goes on to say how he's going to continue as executive producer of Celebrity Apprentice. And then he asks for a list of all client scientists because they're going to end up being, you know, right, uh, left uh left to fend for themselves week five a reporter says why have you only had four intelligence briefings in the last 31 days when every other president has would have had 31 and trump responded oh i'm like uh, a smart person you know Here's one I can't remember. Week nine, at his first news conference in six months, Trump packs the room with paid employees. 
who applaud his every word and jeer at reporters. I think I am remembering this. And then he repeats, I have a no-conflict situation because I'm president, saying he has no plans to release his tax returns. Oh, yeah. Week 9, Human Rights Watch, its annual report of threats to rights around the world. The United States is listed as a top threat for the first time. Did you see, by the way, that the Carter, uh, whatever, center, you know, they how Jimmy Carter's uh, center would um, go overseas all the time to uh, make sure that other countries' uh, elections were, were clean. And uh, that's the kind of work they've been doing for uh, decades now. For the first time, the Carter Center is staying home. They're staying home because the work to be done is at home. Oh my, let me catch up with all your all your emails here. Oh, thank you. All you all, a lot of you sent me how to check my ballot. I'm scared to death that what if it isn't? Uh, Keith writes, when I come home to Pittsburgh to visit for a weekend, my mother has Chuck Todd and these arguing fools on, then gets mad at me when I'm yelling back at the TV and calling people like Chris Christie names. I'm strictly weather channel on Sunday morning. I can't do it. You know what? I can't do it either, and I haven't been able to do Sunday morning for a long time. You know, if anything of any value comes out of those boring, stupid shows, it'll be reported later. And you know how often that happens? Rarely. God, I wish those shows would tank. Somebody's reminding me that Wendy Bell has, um, has in fact, uh, been severed from uh, KDKA Radio. They've gone their separate ways. And uh, Jen is saying, give Wendy a rope and she will definitely hang herself. Her poor family. It must be hard to have her as a spouse or a mom. Well, I understand. You know, she still has these platforms, her Facebook thing. She still does shows. And apparently she subjected her husband. Well, I mean, he's a – look, he's a respected cardiologist. She did a show after this. Where she talks to him? I, I, why would you even say, I, why, why would you allow yourself to be part of that? I guess because he loves her, supports her. And in it, she sort of apologizes to him, I guess, for, I just read a little account in the PG, I think, apologizes to him for, you know, I guess, yeah, having decided to make his life with her. But then she goes on to say how people can't handle the truth. And that's all she's doing is speaking the truth. Nowhere did it say that he suggested otherwise. Roger says, speaking of colonoscopies, oh, (laughs) my wife and I actually find them relaxing. (laughs) I I get it. I know. We we take the day off. We get to lay down on a comfortable table with a warmed blanket, take a relaxing snooze, wake up, and we're given snacks and drinks. You know, they haven't done that for me the last few times. They used to. Oh, Then we go get burgers, fries, and a beer. (laughs) 
I'd re- much rather have a colonoscopy than watch a stupid town hall meeting. Also, we drove through the beautiful countryside of Bedford County this weekend, uh, going to my in-laws. While most of the political signs were for Trump, there were some Biden signs scattered about. To me, this is hopeful, as there were no Hillary signs four years ago. Yeah. Well, I sent my ballot last Sunday, and they recorded it on the 14th. Uh Uh-oh. I looked on pavoterservices.pa. Okay. Be sure to scroll all the way to the right when the list comes up. When you check, that's where it showed me they received my. Okay, I'll I'll give it a try. I'm nervous. I mean, I just talking about it's making me nervous. I'm not kidding. So remember last week? I think when I was squawking about. Oh my God! There was a. Uh, I saw a picture. I think it was from I don't know what southern state, and it was some musician who'd had a concert, just raving about the fact that he'd attracted thousands of people. And then there was a picture, and yeah, there was this guy up on stage with two other guys. He was a long-haired guy, playing a guitar, and there were. Shoulder to shoulder, unmasked, all these people singing and dancing. And I remember saying, like, you know, I see those pictures and I I can't believe, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Just as I saw a picture yesterday. And it was a Trump rally, one of his latest, I guess, in Carson City. The same. It looked like thousands of people. And I looked closely, not a single mask. And then the same guy, the musician, was here in Pittsburgh yesterday. And he attracted I think just a few hundred, if the picture I saw is any indication, of maskless singing people to his concert at Shenley Park. And I can't, I just can't take it in. I, it's, it's, it's a death cult. This guy's a Christian, supposedly. This guy's a Christian, supposedly, because Jesus will uh, keep them safe. Yeah. Uh, My God. It's, you know, Jim Jones with his Kool-Aid. What a piker. He's got nothing on Trump. And his acolytes, nothing. I can't understand, though, as a sort of a, you know, a strategy, a strategy to keep their power, why it makes any sense to try to kill as many of your voters as you can. I don't understand that. Okay. I'm sorry. I just got some bad news on my... God damn, I can't take anymore. There's been a lot of bad news in my life in the last few days. I can't take anymore. Here's another friend in ICU. Legionnaire's disease. This is a second friend who's been in ICU with Legionnaire's disease. Oh, God. Little Tony, speaking of Wendy Bell's husband, that's one cardiologist that I wouldn't want working on me. My friend goes to him. 
I don't care if he's the best one out there. I don't know if he's the best, but he's regarded highly, I guess. I wish I knew his name because I don't think his last name is Bell. No, I think his last name is O'Toole. Maybe not, though. No, no, no. I shouldn't have said that because I don't know. But I think. I'm sorry. I really don't know. Why did I say that? Sorry. Uh, Yeah. Ah, Beth, thank you. I was right. Wow. Epic Times, E-P-O-C-H Times, which was just all over my Twitter feed for the last few weeks, is owned by John Tang and is affiliated with the Falun Gong New Religious Movement. Does not appear to be part of 21st Century Fox or News Corp. Doesn't have to be. Falun Gong's enough. Okay. There. Wow. Wow. Now, so they're out there now acting like they're a news organization, spreading their little. Boy, guys, you gotta be careful. You've gotta be so careful. At what you ingest. Um, oh, oh, before I get to something I found really interesting, it's about the Star Spangled Banner, I want to share with you something that came to me. I'll get it. I'll get it. Hang on there. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah, I've got all these different sources um, here. It's about the that woman who is going to be a Supreme Court justice. And here's something that I hadn't heard of. Here's one of her lower court rulings. Okay. After a 19-year-old pregnant prison inmate was repeatedly raped by a prison guard, Amy Coney Barrett ruled that the county responsible for the prison could not be held liable because the sexual assaults, the rapes, fell outside of the guard's official duties. There's nothing wrong with the feed. I am just incapable of speech. Okay, let's get to something a little bit, because it's history. It, it doesn't feel quite as, <laughs> as harrowing. It's not true, but I, I'm, just, I'm just so blown away with all the history that I never learned. I'm just, you know, the Star Spangled Banner, okay? A song I find, you know, I'm capable of being stirred by it. Years ago, I remember, I, I'm not anymore. I'm not. It's been ruined for me. But I remember as a kid watching the Olympics or something, man, when our flag went up and that thing started, that song started, I would just be goosebumps everywhere. But I don't feel pride. And the words are lies. Home of the free? Brave? And then just sort of knowing that the racist slaveholder who wrote it, Francis Scott Key, was just one awful human being. But let me share with you some of that history because it's fascinating. This is from the Washington Post today. You know, Francis Scott Key wrote that, observing the attack on Fort McHenry in Baltimore. He was on a British ship. 
part of the bombardment. He was on a British ship because he had gone under a white flag as a lawyer to negotiate the release of one of the British prisoners who was a popular doctor from Maryland. How he got, you know, snatched up, I don't know. So Key, flying a truce flag, goes to the British Navy, is taken aboard to try to negotiate the doctor's release. And while he's there, this bombardment occurs. And so he couldn't tell what the outcome had been, but yes, at dawn, he saw the flag, 15 stars and 15 stripes waving over the fort and was inspired immediately to write a poem, which he did. Now, that much you might have known before. And he got the doctor out, and they were released, okay? The War of 1812, I mean, actually, that bombardment happened in 1814, just so you know. The War of 1812, which I always sort of thought must have just happened in 1812, (laughs) took a few years. The British promised refuge to any slaves who escaped. And they were also told that if they escaped, they were welcome to join the British Marines. And if they did that, they would be rewarded with land as well as freedom after their service. As many as 4,000 slaves, mostly from Virginia and Maryland, heard about this, and they did escape. Did you ever read that? And that's why there's, we don't know the other verses, but one of the verses of the Star Spangled Banner refers to that. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave, and the Star Spangled Banner in triumph doth wave or the land of the. Okay. So he's referring in that to what the British had promised these escaped slaves. Um, it should be noted that slaves fought on the American side as well. But here's the thing. The British kept their word. The United States demanded that those slaves be returned. And the British said no. And they took those former slaves that had fought with them and provided them land in Trinidad and Tobago, where they could resettle with their families. I don't know how they must have escaped, but I don't know. And their descendants still live there today. They're called Americans, M-E-R-I-K-I-N-S, Americans. Francis Scott Key was a descendant of a wealthy plantation family. He spoke of black people as inferior, supported emancipating only slaves who would be immediately shipped to Africa. He served as a district attorney. Do you know Francis Scott Key was the district attorney of Washington, D.C. during Andrew Jackson's administration? And, man, he was a strict enforcer of slave laws prosecuted abolitionists who mocked his jurisdiction, by the way, as land of the free, home of the oppressed. 
And then he asked Jackson, please, um, he lobbied to appoint his brother-in-law, the chief justice of the United States. He was successful. You know who his brother-in-law was? Francis Scott Key's brother-in-law was an infamous guy named Roger B. Taney. Infamous for writing the Dred Scott decision that blithely decreed that black people, quote, had no rights, which the white man was bound to respect, end quote. And here's the last thing that is really interesting. For over a hundred years after that was written, it was controversial. And there was no official American anthem. Most people chose to sing My Country, Tis of Thee. But over time, there was a group that pushed Key's anthem. And it will not surprise you to know that they were the post-Reconstructionist white Southerners and the military. The daughters of the Confederacy pushed and pushed for the poem now set to song to be made the official national anthem. And in 1931, Herbert Hoover, then president, made it. This was a Confederate political victory. And here is the ironic last fact I leave you with. When Hoover signed off on the Star-Spangled Banner as America's anthem, the victorious supporters threw a victory parade in Baltimore in June of 31. And the march was led by a colored guard hoisting the Confederate flag. How's that for some history? Hmm? Isn't that something? What's that line? Those who don't know their history are condemned to repeat it. I don't have that quite right. But ignorance of one's history or airbrushing of one's history. And we do it. We do it even in our personal lives. What we choose to remember. The stories family tell tell each other about their ancestors are so often mythology. Truth. Truth is tough. Truth is tough. We mythologize. I read something in a uh, a book review of a book that's getting rave reviews called What Were We Thinking? <laughs> what Were We Thinking? And yeah, it's about America, us, and I guess tries to hold us um, 
you know, to truth. And the reviewer says this, talking about what the book speaks of. And it is so true because I just another preface, please, because this sense that Trump did this is one of those convenient mythologies. Trump is an end product of something we all did. He's the end product of a culture political culture, social culture, every kind of culture you can think of, that we were party to. So this effort to not take oneself off the hook is a tough one. But I hope that some of us are capable of it. So here's what the reviewer says. We, Americans, have spent the past 50 years undermining the basic institutions of society. Okay? I'm starting with that because that is not Trump did it all in the last four years. No, we've done it and are complicit in it. In the last decades, undermining the basic institutions of our society, and not just our sense of common purpose, of common identity, but also values, normative values like truth and duty and expertise. Instead, we gave, totally gave in to the politics of consumerism and grievance. And they ended up, we shouldn't be surprised, overwhelming the politics of responsibility and unity. So that our popular culture has made most Americans, if they, were, if they ask themselves a question of, you know, like, why am I here, what's happening, blah, blah, blah. Popular culture, this awful culture we've created, popular culture compels us to ask, what do I want? That's an American question. What do I want? A better question, of course, for a better people and a better culture would be, how should I act? You know, um, I never read much Machiavelli, but they end up, I guess the book quotes him, and um, not from The Prince, but from his book, The Discourses, and, and, and I don't know how to pronounce these words, but he talks about a constant contest in, a, in any republic between virtue although it's spelled differently, and something called ozio, 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 I don't know. But virtue, virtue, is the quality that keeps a republic strong. And here is how that's defined. Rigor and responsibility 
and intellectual achievement. And yes, in Machiavelli's telling also what the author says as a distressing tinge of militarism. Okay. The other side, Ozio, that which takes a republic down, is indolence. It is the laziness that overtakes a republic when it is not at war or in crisis. And he ends with this. In America, we experienced 70 years of unprecedented peace and prosperity without a perceived existential threat from the end of World War II. I don't know why he's forgetting the Korean War and all these other wars, but I guess, I don't know. But he's saying that post-World War II, far too many Americans lost the habits of citizenship. Ain't that the truth? I mean, I used to argue decades ago that the whole concept of citizenship was gone. They didn't even teach civics anymore. And it had been replaced with consumerism, that our job was not to be a citizen. It was to be a consumer. And somebody, please, tell me I'm wrong, because I'm not. And that's when the worm starts to turn. And my rage at capitalism is because of that. Turning us, seducing us from uh, the rigor of citizenship into the indolence of what do I want? Consumerism. And if you look at our corrupted culture, achievement doesn't mean anything. It's not rewarded. Celebrity is. Infamous or famous, same thing. And that, that America, this America ends up, this America that wants to be entertained, that has lost the rigor of even critical thought ends up electing Donald Trump. It's not his fault. It's ours. Donald Trump, speaking of him, I'm going to last... Where did I find that? Um, I wanted to leave with some some song, as I did last week with uh, F2020, which is still in my head. I was singing it this morning um, with another song I came across. This is uh, by uh, Demi Lovato, if I can get it. And... Um, the hell can I find? Here it is. And Amy, I'll just ask you to let this play out, and um, and I'll I'll be back with you guys uh, tomorrow, I guess. And Susan will be joining me. But right now, let's see if we can play this. Okay. Hang on. Oops. Were you ever taught when you were young? If you mess with things, obviously the bound are coming down. I'm not the only one that's been affected and resented. Every story is fun, and I'm a lucky one. Cause there are people worse off that have suffered enough, haven't they suffered enough? But you can't get enough of 
Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers. <laughs>